Thanks for joining us at Summit Church. No matter where you are at on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are excited to share God's word with you through this week's message. This morning, uh, listen, uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, we are glad you're here with us. And uh, this is going to be kind of a different service. We typically uh, don't have services like we're going to have today. I don't say that to scare you. I just say that just to tell you that's the way it is. Uh, it's going to be a fun day. It's going to be a good day, but um, but uh, a little bit different. Uh, and I'm going to really be talking basically this morning to uh, uh, to those that call this their church home. This is your family. This is you. This is your tribe. This is your clan. This is your your peeps. You know, these are your people. You know, and so I'm talking to you. You know, and if you're still on the outside, kind of looking in, like I don't know, checking it out. Hey, that's okay. We're glad you're here. Uh, but um, this morning, just kind of bear with us as we just talk a little bit. And, and uh, by, because of time, I'm not going to tell a joke, so don't beg me. Please don't beg me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. So, but we've got to jump right into this. We've been in a series called uh, Prepare for Impact, and uh, we've been talking about a guy by the name of Jabez who uh, is found in the least read section of the Bible, in the least read book of the Bible, uh, probably First Chronicles in chapter 4. And he's known because he just prayed a little prayer. He is found in the midst of this long list of genealogies, uh, Ancestry.com of the Old Testament in a sense. And, and it just goes, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. And it gets to this one little guy and it says, hold on a second, press pause. You got to take a look at this guy because something about this guy is different. Uh, not so much about necessarily what he did for the most part, but what he prayed is a guy that started, his life started off bad. He prayed this incredible prayer, and his life turned around and became incredibly good. And as a result, he made a difference. And so we're going to take our text, First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, this morning, and verse 10, and uh, read about this guy in the midst of 600 plus names. All of a sudden, this guy jumps out of the page to us, and it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, and he said, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, and let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain. And God granted him his request. So a few weeks ago, we started talking about this guy named Jabez and some things that perhaps we could learn from his life. Number one, we learned that he lived honorably. And that is what God has asked us to do, to live honorably. Jabez's name means pain. His name literally means his mom named him Jabez because it means pain. And in those days, names were prophetic. And were um, many times, that's what you became. You became what your name was. But he decided somewhere in his life that he wasn't going to become who um, his past declared he was, that he wanted to step out of his past and make a new future. And so there was something that rose up within Jabez that says, I want to do more and I want to be more. And so he rose to the top and he decided that he wasn't going to live down here, but he's going to be honorable and live up here. Secondly, we learned that he asked that God would bless him. And the word bless simply means that he asked for a supernatural impartation of favor to rest upon his life. He asked that God would come and bless him so what? So he could turn around and do what? Be a blessing or bless others. Exactly. And that's why God heard his prayer, I believe, to begin with. Number three, he asked that God would enlarge 
his territory. In other words, he asked God that he would enlarge his life or, or that God would allow his life to be a life that made impact, be a life that uh, uh, created a blessing everywhere he went. So Jabez desired, deep in his heart, to have more influence and to have more responsibility and to have more resources and more opportunity so he could flip that around and use these things that God was now giving him to turn around and bless and enlarge God's territory. Can I just tell you that God, he desires for you to use what you have to enlarge his territory, to enlarge his kingdom, to enlarge the farm, the family farm. Come on, he expects you because he's your father and he knows what you're capable of to take what little you do have and use it in such a way that increases the kingdom of God. The story is found in the book of Matthew chapter 25. We call it the parable of the talents. Parable is the earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus told this story about the rich master who was going to go away for a season. And before he left, he decided to take three of his workers, employees, and he wanted to see what they would do with his investments. And so he gave this one man five talents or five bags of gold. Let's put it like that. He gave another two bags of gold. He gave another one bag of gold. He goes, okay, y'all, here's, here's some resources for you, and uh, I'm going to be away. I'll come back uh, at some point, and, um, you know, we're just going to see what, uh, what you do with what I gave you. And he came back over a long period of time, and he said, hey, okay, I'm back. What? I gave you guys uh, five bags of gold. What would you do with my five bags of gold? He goes, man, bro, I, I took that capital investment and I turned around. I invested in this. I invested in that. I bought this and made a profit off that. And lo and behold, I've got five more bags. i got ten bags here. He's like, wow, incredible. And, and, and he blessed them with so much as a result of his, his obedience and his desire to enlarge his master's influence. And the same with the guy with two. He increased it to four. The guy with one is like, well, hey, um, look, here's the good news. Uh, uh, well, the good news is um, I didn't lose your bag. And the bad news is uh, I still have your bag of gold. Here's your bag of gold. And, uh, and, and the master says, you mean you didn't even invest it? I mean, at least you could have done was put it in the bank and draw some interest. You, you didn't even do that. He goes, look, I know you're a tough guy. You have a lot of expectations. I didn't want to let you down. So I just kind of buried it, you know, in, in the ground until you got back. And, and, but here it is. You still got the same amount you had when you, when you left. And the master called him a lazy and a wicked servant. What does that mean? That means that God, the master, desires for us to take that which he has given, whether one talent, two talents, five talents, and turn around, and whether that be your personality, your influence, your, your uh, income, your status in the community, whatever that looks like, and to turn around and use what God has given you to bless and enlarge the kingdom of God. That's what he desires, and he expects nothing less. In other words, to enlarge the territory that God has given us, which is ours to have, requires a miracle. 
It will require an intervention from God where God comes in and makes something happen that normally wouldn't happen. That's the, that's the beauty of working with God. Is that, is that as you partner with God, he, He's able to create miracles out of things that you thought couldn't be a miracle. Write this down. God expects us to attempt things so big that failure is guaranteed unless God intervenes. That's what God expects us to do, to attempt things so big that there's no way this can happen. This is, this is going to fail. This is, this is failure in a matter of months or days. This is, this is not going to fly unless, God, you come and intervene. And that's exactly what Jabez asked God. I asked you to enlarge my territory. No, no, put me in a situation where, Lord God, you have to come through in order for this thing to become what you desire it to become. Which leads us to number four is what really Jabez needed in his life. He needed and asked God that he would put his hand upon him. He needed God's hand. What does that mean, the hand of God? Why would I need the hand of God? When the Bible refers to the hand of God being placed upon you, it's telling us that literally supernatural empowerment, a miracle, if you would, is now in play. That God's power and God's greatness is at work now within you. He said, God, I need your power. I need your authority. I need your hand uh, to, and your favor to be upon my life so I can be a blessing with the blessings you've given me. It's the miracle. It's the intervention from God where make, God makes something happen that couldn't happen without his hand. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 11, the early church, it says the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. In other words, there was this great harvest of souls into the kingdom of God, simply because these early believers lived with the hand of God upon their life. And I'm here to remind us this morning that God desires us to pray, oh God, would you bless me? And would you enlarge my territory? And Lord, would you put your hand upon my life? Turn to your neighbor, nudge him for me just for a second, and tell them and challenge them for me. Ask God to put his hand upon you. Would you just tell him that? Just tell him for me. Ask God to put his hand upon your life. My wife and I were living in the Midwest, and another church had asked if they could merge, they lost their pastor, but merge their church with us. And, and they had some great leaders, and we didn't know them at all. And uh, we felt, my wife and I, that maybe we should take a, a time and just spend getting to know them. And so what we planned was to take these leaders of this other church and their families, their uh, children, and go down to a lake and just spend the afternoon at this lake having just a good time getting to know each other. So we, it's a summer day, we had a boat, we anchored it down, and, and several boats in, we just kind of, and everybody was out just kind of uh, floating around in the water, and had a series of, of rocks and things to climb up and for the kids to jump off of, and my oldest daughter was seven at the time, Faith was five, uh, four, and my son was two, and so um, the, all the kids were jumping up and off the cliffs and having a great time, and my son was two, they had a little three-foot cliff, a little rock, you know, and he was jumping off, and I was right there, and we were having a good time, he was a daredevil 
at that point of his life. And we were just having just a joyful time, and everybody talking in the water and, you know, floating around. And, and uh, I kept noticing my son looking up at this 20-foot cliff that the other kids were jumping off of, and they were shouting and screaming, yelling and everything, and just having a good time. I could tell my son just had this desire to go there. He was tired of his little three-foot rock. And so I said to him, I said, son, would you like to go up there? And he's like, I said, well, come on. Let's swim over to that area where you get out of the water and climb up that little edge up onto this little cliff, this little ledge. And uh, so we start swimming. My wife's over here floating. She's like, uh, where y'all going? <laughs> and uh, I said, keep swimming, son. Keep swimming. <laughs> and she goes, where are you going? <laughs> she got a little louder, you know. I just kept, I just kept swimming. And, and uh, I looked back. I did the lot wife thing. I kind of looked back. And, and, and I saw what I didn't want to see. I saw the stink eye. Have you ever seen the stink eye? <laughs> Don't talk about the stink eyes. Like, I will kill you in a New York minute if you don't come back here. And uh, but she was like in a little tight spot because we were trying to be nice to all these people, let them know how nice we were. You know what I'm saying? And so she knew. And I kind of had her where I wanted her because I knew she couldn't like really go off on me right now. You know? So so she was like, uh, "Come back, y'all need to come back." <laughs> we're just swimming away, you know. And we got off, and she's like, uh, you're not going to do that, right? You're not going to do it. I looked back, and all these other friends were, like, swimming away from her, you know. And, <laughs> and she, she was like, because you don't mess with mama's little child. You don't talk about, come on, mama's, you know what I'm saying? Here I was, I was taking our two-year-old child up on his 25, but he wanted to do it. So we get to the edge of this little uh, ledge, and I look down, I'm like, whoa, this is, this is kind of high. You know, I'm like even thinking about it myself, but I got to be the guy, and, 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 and I got stink eye over here, and I got this going on right here, and, I, and my son said, you ready? He's like, I said, all right, and he puts his hand out, and I grab his hand, and I say, okay, at the count of three, we're going to jump, hand in hand. One, don't you do it. <laughs> Two, don't you. Three, and we jumped out, and it was like the longest jump I've ever had in my life. <laughs> It seemed like forever. Finally, we hit the water, and I'm just praying to God while I'm under the water, please, Lord, let my son live so I can live. We'll all live together. Don't let this turn out bad, or I'll never hear the end of it. You know what I'm talking about, guys. When you do something, you're not even quite sure you should have done, but you did it anyway. And, and we come up out of the water. He'd already popped up, and he was already saying, again, again, again. I'm like, Yes. So we just climbed up and down that little cliff, and old stink eye just enjoyed it. After a while, she, she had to just kind of get with it. <laughs> she made it. She made it, and he made it, and it was a wonderful time. And I do believe that God wants us to do things that are so big for us to do that the only way we can do it is if we really experience the hand of God with us. He brings us to this place because we want to do it, and we believe it really would be a credible thing to do to live in that dimension. But we get, and it was like, but I, I'm just me. I'm, I'm a little tiny two-year-old me. I can't, I can't. But, but guess what? We got a big, big dad, and and dad is with us. And when we stood, put our hand out and and feel and touch the father's hand, 
guess what? You can jump off a 20-foot cliff and do incredible things for the kingdom of God. We just can't no longer take our lives and just kind of hang out here down in the little area way here when God wants us up here and just to take his hand. God's calling us to be a people that understand what it's like to live life with the hand of God upon our life. Amen. When you have the hand of God upon your life, when it's all said and done, people are like, how did you do this? How did this happen? How did this come about? How come this is uh, where you're, you know, what God, what, what is happening? And you can say, I had nothing to do with it. It was the hand of of God upon my life. It was God who gave me the words. It was God that gave me the idea. It was God that gave me the power. It was God that gave me the open door. It was God that gave me the miracle. It was the hand of God upon my life. Mm. There's nothing like knowing that the hand of God is upon your life. I mean, do you know how many people don't know what the hand of God's like? They live every day, one day after another after another, and never experience the hand of God. When I went to marry my wife, we were engaged. Well, we, you know, we were, I wanted to be engaged, so <laughs> I asked. I felt it would be healthy to have a conversation with her father. And I took him to an expensive restaurant that I could not afford, but I took him anyway. He's sitting there eating his baked potato and steak, and, and I mustered up the, 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 the guts because he was a, you know, a military guy and very stoic, and I said, Mr. Adams, would you mind if I took your daughter's hand in marriage? You know, that's what I said, hand. And I, I mean, it would have been weird if I, would you mind if I took your daughter's foot in marriage or daughter's <laughs> head? He was like, what? I mean, it's the hand. It's the, it's, the, it's the hand. It's the sign of a covenant that you're making together. When I took her hand, I was making a covenant that I will be her husband for the rest of her life, and she will be my wife for the rest of my life. And it's a covenant that we made together. Which the hand was involved. When God puts his hand upon your life, he's making a covenant with you that he is with you through thick and through thin. And guess what? He gets the short end of the deal because that means that all of your resources are now his, but all of his resources are now yours. And I don't know why he would want my hand, but he wants my hand and he puts his hand in my hand and the hand of God now moving through me enables him to enlarge his territory so I can now be a blessing to other people. Yeah. Very, the question is, you know, what, what could I ever do that would cause God's hand to be placed upon my life? What, what, what is it that I, I, I have? What is it that Jabez had that, that made God want to put his hand on his life? I believe the answer to that question is a, a spirit or a, a, a lifestyle of generosity. In fact, it says to us that, that, that Jabez prayed, God, put your hand upon me, which implies to us that the hand of God was not upon him. So he prays, God, I, I know in order for, for you to become bigger and for me to be used by you to make things bigger, I need your hand. I ask now for something I don't have. I need your hand upon my life. And God, I believe, answered that prayer because he saw a man that was a generous man, a man that was not a selfish man, 
a man that was willing to take risks if it had to for the sake of something and a cause greater than himself. And God said, absolutely. You're honorable, and you desire to become used, and I will place my hand upon you. I remember the first time this thought ever came across my, my mind. I was 19 years old. I was in Bible college in New Orleans, Louisiana. I know it's hard to believe that New Orleans would have a Bible college, but I had a, it did. And, and I, I was in Bible college, and I lived in New Orleans East. And so I was in Bible college, and, and the, the, the teacher that morning had been talking to us about how the fact that Jesus was a giving man, a man that everywhere he went, he was giving himself away. That we don't find anywhere in records of, of Jesus requiring or begging or asking of anything of anybody. He was, just, he was constantly just giving away, giving away miracles, giving away healing, giving away, giving, 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 giving food away, giving, whatever. Just, um, he lived a life of generosity. And there, something happened way down here in my spirit when, when I heard that I thought to myself, I've never heard this before. This is, I've never even lived this way. To me, life's about getting, come on, and get more, you know, and then get some more. Bigger, nicer, whatever. But this thought of just living a life of giving and, and being happy with that was a mind blower to me. And so I, I left, you know, that class and driving back to my apartment because I went to work in the afternoon. I drive back to my apartment, change clothes, eat a sandwich, and then go to work. And I'm driving back in, in, on Sheffman Tour Highway, going east, and I, I said, God, out loud, I, I want to be a generous person. I, I do, God. And I don't know how really to, to do that. I mean, I, I've, I always have given my tithes. I've always given... You know, the Lord, my 10%, I'd always done all that kind of stuff. But I'd never lived, I mean, I just did because, you know, that's what he asked. But I, I, this, this, this life of living every day with this generous perspective, I, it was new to me. I said, God, would, would you give me opportunities? This is what I said. Would you give me opportunities to be generous and let me know it's you? Because how many know everybody, everybody wants your stuff? You know what I'm saying? I want, I, but, but if you, if you tell me, just show it to me, Lord, I'll do it, I, I'll do it. And, I'm, and I said that, I said that, and then I, after I got to pray, that, I said, oh, I got to eat a sandwich, I, I don't have any lunch meat at home, and how many know, 19 years old, you, you live on bologna and mayonnaise and, and bread and chips, and so I, I said, I got to go to the store, and so I get right there at the corner of, 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 of Sheffman Tour Highway and Miss You Boulevard, and there's a grocery store there. And so I, pulled, so I pulled in this grocery store, and there was one car in the entire parking lot. Just one, one car. One. One car is big, big parking lot. But, of course, I liked my car, and I'd never, I don't like parking next to people getting dings. I still, even to this day, well, Melissa's like, seriously, we have to park 40 acres away from the store. I don't like dings, all right? I mean, you know, like, oh, really? No. So, I, so I parked two rows away from this one car, right? It's like... Insane. So, so there's one car in this parking lot. I drive in. Nobody around. Nobody. Nobody. One car over there. I park two rows. Put it in park. Turn it off. Open the door. Get out. And there's a man standing right there. I'm like, huh? I went like, I went off like that. I mean, where did you come? Seriously. I mean, there was nobody there. 
I mean, all of what? Ten seconds, you'll park off, open the door, huh, and there's a man standing right there. Like, where did you come from? And, and he goes, I'm so sorry, sir. I didn't mean to startle you. He goes like that. I'm like, no, 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 not at all. And, and he says, I, I, sir, I'm, I, I feel terrible asking this, but I'm, I'm coming through town. I really haven't eaten in days. I really would love if, if you could just spare a few bucks just to, for me to get a sandwich. There's a Burger King over there. Just a few bucks. I'm like, I'm like, I had just prayed less than, you know, three minutes ago. God, I want to be a generous person. Show me a way to be generous. Show me. And, and, and I parked my car and boom, this person's there. I, you can say what you want to say. I was there. I know what I saw. And I'm telling you, I saw an angel. You're like, oh, I don't believe in angels. Well, okay, fine. But I saw an angel. That was an angel to me. It was a supernatural manifestation. The Bible says that be careful. You'll entertain angels unaware. Yeah. And listen, I was aware. There was no one aware about this one. And I, and, 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 and I just prayed, oh, God, I want to give away, but you got to make it clear what it is. And so I pull out my wallet. My knees are shaking. I'm standing there. And I'm going like this. And, and, and he's like probably thinking, what's wrong with this guy? And I, I, pull, I pull out the biggest bill I have. It was a $20 bill. A $20 bill to a 19-year-old kid. That's like 2000 bucks. I'm like, pull it out. And I, I put it in his hand. And, he's, and he looks at it. And he goes, sir, this is a $20 bill. I'm going, I know. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's not more. He goes, now have you ever heard a homeless man say this? He goes, sir, I can't take this. This is too much money. I just need enough for a sandwich. Have you ever heard a homeless man say that? And then I knew it was an angel. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, grabbed his hand. I'm like, look, I apologize. I apologize, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, when you see an angel, you, you, better, you, better, you better say the right stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to mess this up. I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I, but thank you for asking me for money. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I gave him a big hug, you know, in the parking lot. He's like, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. And, and I go in, and, and I, I'm like, I'm just walking all over the store. I'm like, you know, I, 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 my mind is so, I'm like, I just saw an angel. I just saw an angel, and I gave money to an angel. This is a, and I'm like, I, you know, baloney, where's baloney? I don't even know where's baloney. And I, got, I, and I finally got my stuff. I went out of the store. He was nowhere to be found. I, I went on, and later that day I was praying. I was just like on this incredible high, and I said, God, what was that all about? That was like crazy. And I felt like the Lord speak to my heart and said to me, Son, I so desire for you to live generously that if there's not an opportunity available, as soon as you whisper that out, I'll supernaturally make a miracle happen and a manifestation so you can know in your heart that I love a person that's generous. Wow. Does not the Bible say give and it will be given to you? Pressed down, shaken together, running over. It just says you get, 
I mean, if you, if, if you desire to have more joy and more love and, and more peace and, and, and more vision and more uh, dreams and more finances and better health and all of you desire all these things, and there, there's this requirement of Jabez where you, where you say, oh God, I, I want to give. I, I, I know you're, I want your hand and I want to give. And God says, well, I, that's what I've been waiting for. Now I will give back to you, but not just here's a little bit here, enjoy that, but it's pressed down and shaken together so you can get more in until it's just running over. You can't get any more in the basket. It's all full of the blessings of God. It's just full. It's just full. Give, and it'll be given back. My, my wife and I, we were living in Boston. If you've heard the story, I apologize. But we were living by faith. We were living as missionaries up in Boston. I told this story one way this morning. My wife reminded me it happened actually this way. But I, you know, I, I like my versions better, but anyway, I'll tell her version. <laughs> But but it, it went actually, so we're living by faith, and we we didn't have very much money uh, in our checking account, and you know we got three kids, and it's very expensive living in the Northeast, and we're doing the best we can, and uh, we got to church this one Sunday morning, and the secretary uh, gave us a five hundred dollar check, said some, uh, some somebody sent you some support, and uh, it's a five hundred dollar check, and we're like, oh, we get to eat this week, oh this is amazing, uh, thank you thank you, and he goes no problem. So I pulled it up, put it in my in my my pocket, and so we had this guest speaker that morning, and he was talking about the Philippines and building a Bible college in the Philippines, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know. But the more he talked, it's like, wow, that's that's really cool, and the more he talked, I, I I felt like, no, this is this is something I need to be a part of, you know, and so the end of the service came, and he says, we'd love for you to give to this, you know, help us build this Bible college in the Philippines, and. And uh, so the worship team came, we started standing, and, um, and I'm like, you know, I really think, I think we, I think we should, I think we should, I think we should do something. And she's like, no, nah, we don't have no money. And I'm like, well, I got this $500, you know, $500 in my pocket, you know, and <clears throat> yeah, but you know, and uh, so she's like, go ahead, you know, just give it. And I'm like, okay. And so I wrote my name on the back of the check, and, um, and I took three steps and put it in this $500, $500, (laughs) $500. Not much food in the house, $500. Not much in the checking account. Took three steps back, got to my seat. A man was standing right here next to me. Hadn't been there before. He came up, walked up, and he hands, and he has a piece of paper, a check in his hand folded up, and uh, I said, what's this? He said, the Lord told me to give you this if you gave to that offering. Uh, well, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. And so I just put it in my pocket. And my wife's like, oh, is that a check? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was a check. She, everyone's worse. She goes, well, well, how much was it? I'm like, Come on, we're supposed to be worshiping. Come on, worship the Lord. Oh, you know. She goes, I want to know how much is that check. I'm like, it's not important. Just worship God. Just worship the Lord. Want to know? Give me the check. Give me the check. So I, I hear, you know. She opened it up. I'm like, you know, look at it. <laughs> it was a thousand dollar check. Thousand dollar check. 
I, I gave 500 in three steps and took three steps back and made 1,000 or made another 500 off of that 500. Only, only, only God does these things. Well, my wife reminded me, of that. Yeah, okay. yeah, give Jesus a hand. And so, 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 how much time? Yeah, we got time. So, 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 so we, our first time we ever were in this building, um, we're doing a, a, together as a married couple, a building pledge. Um, they took an, they took an offering, you know, and, and, and so we're, you know, I don't know. I, I've never been this guy with a silver spoon in my mouth. Everything's, you know, pretty much, you know, we, we spend what we can spend. You know, we don't overspend. We just have enough, it seems like. And so we're like, you know, we need to give, you know, to this building thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we need to give. So, all right. And we, so, but, but, but we couldn't afford... But, but we decided to step out in faith and give something that was like stupid, you know, like, oh, this is just stupid. Let's just give it, you know, just stupid amount of money. And, um, and, I, and, and, and the hard part, you know, the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. That's the hard part. So I'm like, what do you know what I'm saying? It's like, here's my stupid amount of money. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Can I be real? And so we're just like, so, okay, so we, we, we give this stupid amount of money to the building, and we're like, you know, I, we're probably going to starve for the next three months, you know, we're not going to have nothing. And so, and so it was just a couple days later, this is insane, so we're in, we, we live in this apartment complex, and we get a knock on the door. And I go to the door, I go, excuse me, do y'all have a green neon, a Dodge Neon, y'all the owners of it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but my car was parked in the parking lot like on a like a little hill, and for some reason it came out of park, and it made a 90 degree turn, <laughs> rolled down the hill, and it hit your bumper. And it's not bad; it's just a kind of a little gash in it, but you know. But I. I I, I damaged your bumper. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I went out and looked at it. Yeah, sure enough. And uh, so I, I took I took it to uh, the guy to you know get it fixed. You know, had the insurance and everything. And the guy told me, well, this is he. And the insurance guy gave me a check which was double what we had put a few days ago into the building campaign. And I said. I'm not fixing that bumper. This is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm not kidding. We, that one car, we got run into three different times, got three different dents in, in the next course of the uh, next two years. And we, every time, were like in a tight spot, and God had someone bump into us, and <laughs> people were begging us to drive their car anywhere. Just drive my car, please. I'm not kidding. Like, how does that happen? How does a car come out of park, take a 90-degree turn, and go, poof, just in the, the car that we own? I'm going to tell you, God is crazy. <laughs> how it works when he finds someone that wants to step out into a realm of faith and do something that requires 
faith. You okay? Are we all right? So, I mean, I stand here as this person that, I mean, we were, we were like, I, I can't tell the story. So we, we, were, we were like um, engaged, and we could not afford, we could not afford to get married. We couldn't afford to get married. We couldn't, we couldn't afford, we couldn't afford any, an apartment. And, and I'm like, listen, Melissa, I know we're supposed to be married. She goes, yeah, I know. I said, we can't afford it. We write our income down, our expenses down. And our expenses were more than our income. And I said to her, I said, Melissa, what do you think we should do? We were given already 10% tithe and 10% to the building campaign. And she, sa- and she says, she says, well, we just got to give God more. I was like, we're giving 10% tithe and we're giving 10% to the building. What did you say? We, we need to give God more. We need, to get, we need to bump it up to 30%. I'm like, who are you? This is amazing. And we did. We did that Sunday. We wrote a check, 30% of our income from the, off the top to the Lord. <laughs> Why? Because we couldn't afford not to. And we needed money. And his word said, press down, shake together if you'll give. And so I was like, okay, we're doing it. And so we did. And I'll be dog, uh, two days, three days later, I'm in the Christian school. This lady walks up. And she goes, hey, are you all ever going to get married? I said, yeah, we're talking about getting married someday. She goes, well, you know, whenever you get married, she hands me this catalog that thick. She goes, here's a, a vacation. We have vacation rental places all over the world, um, and it's just a catalog. My husband have, and I have we have two weeks, you know, anywhere, but we want to give you one of our weeks. So if you can get there, pick whatever place you want, and you'll have a honeymoon, when, you know, to go to. When I'm like, oh, thank you. I said, hey, whenever we do get married, we can go on honeymoon. If we can get there. And so I'm looking at the Canary Islands, you know, I'm looking at Thailand. I'm looking at all these places just dreaming, you know, I have no way to get there. And a couple of days later, my dad calls me and goes, hey, y'all ever going to get married? I said, yeah, someday we're going to get married. We're, you know, we figured out how we pay for it. Well, listen, whenever you get married, I got enough travel miles uh, to pay for two people anywhere in the world. You can have my miles. I'm like, oh. This is getting so good. This is just less than a week after we bumped it up to 30%. I'm like, this is, who, who, what's going on? And, and then people start coming up to us. Go, you ever going to be, yeah, when you get married, we want to pay for all the food for the, for the reception, for all the people that are going. I'm like, really? What? Seriously? Oh, my goodness. And so cakes and flowers and all this stuff was just given to us. And we weren't telling you. We haven't even told anybody we're getting married yet. It was like God's, and someone said, I'll let you stay, we'll let you stay in our basement of our house for free, even, for a while, just get you settled. I, we had a place to stay, we had a honeymoon to go, we had, we had, all we needed now was money. We got married, people were coming, we're standing in line, we're standing in line, welcoming people, Greg is like, congratulations, congratulations, and people were putting, it was a Pentecostal handshake, you know, where they put, take, the, take the money and they cash, they put it in your hand, I'm like, Oh, thank you, bro. And I, so I'm putting all like, my, 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 my pockets are like this. I'm standing with a tuxedo, big old fat pockets like I got a hernia or something. You know, like, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, so we get home, <laughs> and, we, and they mess my car up. I'm cleaning my car up. She's inside going. <laughs> I walk inside. She goes, you'll never believe this. I said, what? She goes, we made $2,000 on our wedding. We made $2,000. I'm like, can we get married again next week? Let's do this again. <laughs> this is awesome, man. Mm. 
Every step of the way, God is always, always taking care of us as we have taken care of him. And that's the way his kingdom works. I, I got to switch gears here, and let me just, let's just take a, a moment and just have a little family talk for just a moment. We have, um, we have a vision here uh, to make impact. That's one of our vision statements, to know God, to grow in our faith, and to make impact. And, and we, we believe we're doing that. We're doing that through small groups. We're doing that through um, all the various, you know, crossing the freedom groups, the grief share, backpack ministries, Big Fish, working with Big Fish Ministries, and youth camps, mission trips, weekend services, oil changes. We did three oil changes yesterday. We changed to um, uh, Rick and Barry and their team, uh, you know, changed break, breaks and everything out, and we repairing homes and building, you know, sidewalks, you know, ramps for people in wheelchairs. We, we believe in making an impact, but the reality is, and I don't have to tell you this, we, we're out of room. <laughs> We've been out of room. I've told you this for a while. You've been telling me, actually. You've been telling me we need a place to go. I'm like, I know. I know. And so we've been looking at that. I asked you to pray about that a few uh, weeks ago. After I asked you to pray about that, a lady came up to me that I trust very much. She's been, I've known her for about eight years. She said, look, the reason you don't have a building, we, we don't have a building yet, is because it's not on the market yet. And I said, oh, really? She goes, yeah, that's why you haven't seen it. I'm like, wow. Okay, well, thank you. And I just kind of hid that in my heart. And so, so God's going to have a building for us that we haven't, it's not on the market yet. So 5 o'clock that afternoon, I get a phone call from one of our guys in the church. They go, hey, listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a building um, that's uh, come up for sale, but it's not on the market yet. And uh, it's 25,000 square feet. And, um, and, 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 if, and it also uh, was owned by, a, it's owned by a church that they were going to build their church in there. And um, they even have architectural plans already with um, stamped architectural plans for the church. And uh, you can even look at them. I looked at them. I'm like, wow, this is, this is how I would, you know, make a church facility if this was a building that I owned and, or we owned. And so I, I love the, even the drawings of, that they made. And I'm like, you know, what in the world? It's on 6.2 acres. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, it, and so we, we just kind of talked about it. And, so we made an offer, they countered, really a, a low counter, and we, we said, okay, let's temporarily just kind of accept that, and let's see if we can find some financing for this. And, uh, and, so, and so that's where we're at on this process. And so um, I want to show you a picture of this building. Now listen to, listen to this. I'm going to show you this picture of this building, and when you look at this building, I don't want you to go, <laughs> okay? Because it's not finished, okay? It's just a building. It's just a building. Uh, I want to show you a picture of this building. This is what we're looking at. County Road 12, you've probably seen this. It's called Project Red. Project Red. Uh, that's what I would, Josh calls it, Project Red. 6.2 acres. And, uh, and it's just a metal building with sprinklers, and it's, and it's empty, you know? And, uh, but, but, but with the drawings, what we've looked at, and uh, Mike Smith's here, and he's a... Architect, I mean, uh, he's a builder, and he's, he's confirmed it. We feel that we could comfortably put 750 people and perhaps even more into this building, and, uh, and, and we just have to build it out. And uh, so, so, uh, we're, we're, we're in, so now I want to show you what it could look like and what we, we, we are envisioning it to look like. And uh, so, because some of you have to see things, I understand. My my wife's like that. I see it. I already see it. But some of you are like I. I don't. I, it's a red building, and it's only going to be a red building. Let me let, let's show you 
perhaps what, uh, what we see, this is what we see this, this thing could look like. So let's go ahead and show it right now. There it is. There it is. So, yeah, I mean, um, it, it gives us our own place. And uh, from that, we can, we can have services anytime we want. We can have weddings. We have funerals. We, have, we can have small groups. We can just operate and have our own base. We need that. Desperately, we, we're on a time crunch, even with the space that we've been given here. Um, we're going to soon lose our, uh, some of our parking spaces that we already don't have um, so, I mean, um, but God knows this. He, he, he sees that. And so, so we, we believe that God's with us. Um, and so we have a goal of um, $500,000 as a group to grow uh, in a three-year pledge, a faith pledge. And um, I want you to know if this, again, there's no pressure. If this is not your family, this isn't your church, this, we're just glad you're here. But I'm talking to family today. I'm talking to the people. This is you call this your church. You believe in the ministry here, and um, we do know that we are we're going to require we're going to need a loan just to uh, be able to uh, purchase and, and begin the remodeling process. Um, someone has already stepped up to the plate and uh, said, "I want to give five hundred thousand towards a loan uh, to go to this already." So. So, so this is uh, this is this is a little pledge. I, I want to pass out to you guys. Go ahead, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, to you, this is a pledge card. This is a pledge card, and and I'm asking you to join with us. Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. And I'm going to ask you to, as we've been asking you to prayerfully ask the Lord, what is it that I can do uh, to be a part of this vision that God has placed in front of our lives you know it's not and let me just help you out here the question the wrong question is God what can I afford okay if you're asking God what can I afford that's the wrong question y'all hearing me the question is not God what can I afford but because God what God wants you to do isn't something that you can afford because if you can afford it, it's not faith. Oh, no. This is called a faith pledge. It means it's a Jabez sense of prayer. Like, God, I need your hand upon me, and I want, you, I want to work with you, God, to do something that will require a miracle to happen. And that, that's, that's the beauty. That's the joy. That's the this is the, I mean, I've been here before. I've made these little commitments, and I, I'm like, this is insane. This is stupid. But yet, God, 
performs these miracles. And this, this is the beauty of being a Christian. You get to see God pour into your life, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And for some of you, this will be the biggest faith step you've ever taken in your life. But I promise you, I stand here on this side going, I've seen God over and over and over and over and over respond to my step of faith. It's where you want to be. Where is it you want to be? Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to visit us online at summitchurch.tv or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at summitchurch.tv.